Thanks, buddy. Let, let me just tell you, we are so blessed to have Emily McBride serving in the position and capacity that she serves. She is such a tremendous blessing, and we're excited for uh, that, that Hope's Haven dance on, uh, let's see, February 4th. So we wanted to show you the graphic. It's a, a combined event with our Ridgedale Kids Ministry alongside Hope's Haven, which is a nonprofit in our area formed by a member of our church. Abby, where are you? There you are. You can wave your hand. So Abby's over here, and she loves and has formed a, a ministry for children with special needs. And so this is going to be a wonderful partnership on that Saturday. So please sign up and support it, and uh, we're, we're really excited about that. So if you have your copy of God's Word, turn with me to the book of John. We'll look at John chapter 10, and we're going to pick up where we left off last week. So last week in the I Am statements, we looked at I Am the Door, that Jesus sets himself as the way to God out of the old life and into this new abundant life that, that Jesus makes available to us. And today, one of the things that we're going to look at is Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd, and what that means in, in our lives today. But what is implied within this context is that you and I are sheep, right? Now, if you know anything about sheep, we talked about this a little bit last week, but sheep are defenseless. Sheep are... Uh, they are considered clean animals by Jewish tradition, but they're not necessarily the most aware animals. So these are animals that wander away, that have no sense of direction, and so they, they can just wander, you know, just essentially off a cliff or something like that. And as I'll share in just a few moments, that, that actually does happen. A lot of us, though, like to think of ourselves in a more flattering fashion than sheep, right? None of us would say, in fact, a lot of us have maybe have said the words, you know, I'm, I'm not a sheep. You know, I, I'm not going to be fooled. But the Bible makes clear that all of our hearts are very easily deceived. Our minds are very easily deceived. It's the reason that Paul, when he gets to the, the middle part of the book of Romans, talks about the fact that we must have our minds renewed rather than be conformed to the, the age of this world. And it's because we naturally follow kind of where everyone else is going. We're sheep. And again, this is not meant to be demeaning when the Bible says this. It, it just is. And so the sooner we accept that, the better off we are. This week I watched a documentary on Bernie Madoff. Um, for those that, that don't know who Bernie Madoff was, he's, he was this mega wealthy Wall Street guy that essentially ran the single biggest Ponzi scheme in, in history. At one point, his Ponzi scheme was up to $69 billion, which is incredible to think about. Billion with a B. Now, think about how many people have to fall into this category for him to have $69 billion in his possession. And no one most likely would have caught him 
if it weren't for the 2008 financial crisis, which made everything run dry. No new money would come in to be able to pay out the other people, the percentages that he said that he was providing. So what happened? How does, how does something like that happen? One of the things that the documentary talked about is that Bernie had this way with people, this aura of of trust and competency and skill. In fact, he he was backed by all the right people. He had all the, the right credentials, you would say. Even after one man sent several emails to the SEC. Now, for football fans, this is not the Southeastern Conference. He's not sending it to Greg Sankey. He wouldn't do anything anyway because Bernie would have been an Alabama fan. Guarantee it. (laughs) Sorry, Alabama fans. Even after one man sent multiple emails to uh, the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission, he sent multiple warnings. They ignored them, even though he had mounds and mounds of proof, mathematical proof, that uh, Madoff was running a Ponzi scheme. They ignored it because of Madoff's reputation. But he had completely fabricated all of it, all the documents, everything. There was never any trades that occurred. It was all a fraud, a house of cards. And so as we come to, to, to today, we like to think of ourselves higher than the sheep maybe of the first century but that's simply not true here jesus is in the context of speaking to these religious leaders who were considered to be the shepherds given to israel by god to lead them but what jesus is saying is he's speaking against these religious leaders that they have not led in the way that has led the sheep to life rather they have been uh just debilitating, spiritually just heaping things on them that killed and hurt the sheep. And so like Madoff, like these religious leaders, there are many that still desire to pray on us today and pray on uh, all of our souls. There are far more voices I would put before you in our lives now than there ever have been before in history. We have access to more information, more voices, more just things than anyone else at any point in history. And that means more people have access to leading us into wherever they want us to go. So today, as we look at this, I want us to consider how do we find out and figure out, how do we discern what voice to listen to? How do we discern what distinctions or characteristics of the good shepherd that's calling us, how do we discern what his voice is? And how do we know, in fact, he is good? Look with me at John chapter 10, beginning in verse 10. And when you get there, say word. The thief, again, speaking of the religious leaders at that time, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. 
just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Here's what I I want us to, to gain this morning, church. As we look at the characteristics or discerning qualities of of the good shepherd who is calling us in the midst of many, many other voices in our lives. And it's this, our good shepherd, he is worthy to be trusted and adored because of who he is, the very character and nature of God and what he's done. Now, when we look at the different voices in our lives, those are the two qualities and things that we must look at, who they are and what they've done. And our good shepherd is calling out, crying out to us to follow him in very distinct ways. And the first thing that he promises us in verse 10 is in following the good shepherd and following our good shepherd, he leads us to life. Now, all voices say they're leading us to life. They come with a promise, right? The Madoff Ponzi scheme came with a promise that you would get 15% returns every year without fault, right? Without ever missing a beat. Today's voices say you can have whatever you want in this life and be fulfilled. If you, advertising says, if you have this, if you only had this house, if you only had this boat, if you only were married, the claim is that then you will be satisfied. Everything makes a claim to life, but the shepherd is the one that actually leads us to soul satisfaction. That's the reason everything else that makes these promises end up being empty promises. And they've come to steal and and to kill our spirit rather than to lead us into nourishment as we connect with our God. So the first truth is, is that our shepherd, our good shepherd leads us to life. He said he leads us to life abundantly. In a book that that I'd read previously, it shares a story uh, of, of a shepherd in Turkey. And this one sheep actually walks off a cliff in Assam, Turkey. And so, What ends up happening is, again, sheep have no awareness of where they are, what the danger is. So after one sheep walked off the cliff, guess what happened? Another sheep, and then another sheep, and then another sheep. 1,500 sheep later, 450 of them, and I'm not kidding, 1,500 of them fell off this cliff. I don't know where the shepherd was at the time. Very absentee shepherd. This was a substitute, maybe. The 450 ended up dying, and 1,500 of them total fell, but this just cracks me up. Once the first 450 fell, it, it got soft at the bottom, and so the rest of them survived because it kept getting softer because of their wool. But sheep just don't know any better, and so they continued to walk over and over. This is what happens when there is an unattentive shepherd or a shepherd that doesn't really care 
about. Right? And this is what Jesus is speaking into with these religious leaders. He claims that they are connected with the religious leaders that Ezekiel talks about in Ezekiel 34. This is going to be on the screen. It says, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against who? The shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, all shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding whom? They've been feeding themselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The characteristic of, of all many other shepherds and many other voices in this life is that they are getting fat and rich and happy off of you. The weak you have not strengthened, God says to them. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. Notice how God talks about his people. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high Verse 7, therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord as I live, declares the Lord, surely because my sheep have become prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd. And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep and the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you. And I will require my sheep at their hand, require my sheep at their hand, and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for the sheep and will seek them out. And in the life of Jesus, this promise is fulfilled. Jesus comes onto the scene, and even today, he's coming into our lives in the midst of so many voices saying, this is truly the way. And he's saying, listen to my voice, because I'm going to lead you into this soul abundance that you so long for and try to fill with sex. You try to fill with alcohol. You try to fill with materialism. You try to fill with any impulse that you have by motherly affection and holding on too tightly. You try to fill in any number of ways. And Jesus is all the while crying and saying, my sheep, come listen to my voice and I will take you out to pasture and I will bring you back in for protection. Jesus doesn't give us fullness in things. He doesn't give us fullness in safety. He gives us abundance in him, available in him. So our good shepherd leads us to life. That's the first distinction. He's worried about us. The second thing that we see in verses 11 and then 17 and 18 is our good shepherd along these lines doesn't think about himself, but our good shepherd lays down his life for us. Our good shepherd lays down his life for us. Look with me at verse 11. He says, he says this to them, I am the good shepherd. There's the I am claim. The good shepherd, 
the one that you should listen to, the one that will lead you, is the one that lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 17 and 18, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. Unlike many of the farmers in uh, Europe and even today, they, they weren't trying, the, the shepherds of that day weren't trying to, uh, to kill all the sheep for food. In fact, they gathered this flock for milk and for wool. And so they were, they would a, they were able to do uh, a lot of, uh, uh, gain a lot of money and, and you know, that type, make a living by just selling the wool and using the milk and those types of things. And so it wasn't about slaughtering the sheep until it came time for a festive occasion, a specific Jewish festival. But one of the things that Jesus distinguishes about the good shepherd against, as opposed to every other type of shepherd is that our good shepherd, first and foremost, goes before us and lays down his life on our behalf. He's saying that Jesus is our substitute. He's the one that, that dies on our behalf, that we may extend and have true life. That the, the things of this world, that our sin and death and judgment, the things that we fear in this life, that, that are coming at us, Jesus steps in front and says, I will lay my life down that they may truly live. That's what our good shepherd did and continues to do. What an amazing truth that is. One of the things that, that Jesus goes on to say in verse 12 is, he said, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. What's the difference between a hireling, who he's now comparing the religious leaders to, you're just in it for the money. You're just in it for whatever you can gain out of me. You're just milking me for all that I'm worth and our good shepherd. He said the hireling, as soon as things kind of hit the fan, they're running, right? But the good shepherd is the one that steps in front and gives himself for us. It's kind of like the difference between the promise that Rose makes in the Titanic, Titanic to Jack and what she actually does, right? What does she do as soon as the tough gets going at the end of Titanic? She says, I'm never going to let go, Jack. And what's the first thing that she does? She pushes him off. She lets him go, and she wanted that body buried and never found. So something suspicious was going on with Rose, and that's why she didn't tell her story for 84 years. That's right. That's, that's my hot take on Titanic, by the way. <laughs> Says, I'll never let go, Jack. Like, mm, I don't think so. You didn't draw me well enough. So she wanted that body buried. But the shepherd doesn't look after his own interest. The good shepherd gives himself for us. That's the goodness of our God. Now, here's the thing. There are five different times 
in this sermon, Jesus is going to say and clearly affirm the need for his sacrificial death. We don't, you know, give courageous awards and honor to people that are martyrs for no sake, right? That give themselves for no good reason. That means that this good shepherd, our good shepherd had to, it was necessary that he give his life for us. This was a necessary death that you and I as now his sheep in his fold and the rest of the world that has the potential to come be a part of his flock, that it was necessary that he must die that we might live. The amazing reality of the gospel, beloved, is that we don't first have to run and try to make it to God. We don't have to find God, but that God first has come to us in the form of a good shepherd and gives himself to us. That's such good news because we're sheep. We couldn't find him. And he slowly teaches us and lets us learn his voice and lets us begin to trust him and adore him even all the more. And then verse 13, we we see that our good shepherd loves us. He makes known of his great love for us because he dies for us, but he says it very plainly. Verse 13, he flees this hireling because he is a hired hand and cares what? He cares nothing for the sheep. He's making this contradiction between the hireling and the true good shepherd. And he says the hireling cares nothing for them. And the implication or deduction from that is that our good shepherd loves us. He cares for us. Now, in our lives, our sin and our past and our brokenness and our tendency to do the dumb thing and to when we walk off the cliff and even when we know we're doing the thing that we shouldn't do, our tendency is to believe that there's no way that God still loves me. And Jesus is, is here saying that I'm not just somebody that's in it for the really good stuff. I'm not out of it to get something from you, but to give you something of me. He loves us and he loves you. For some reason, as I prepared this sermon, this this sweet prayer that that I I prayed as a kid, my mom taught me, and maybe this is something that that you uh, prayed as a kid, you may be able to recite it. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. What a beautiful, simple prayer as a child, but if you think about it, beloved it's a great prayer of trust it's a prayer of without even saying it God your natural disposition towards me is one of love it's one of love you love me God loves you there may be somebody in here that the world is other voices have told you that you are not worthy to be loved or have dignity or respected and because of maybe the past mistakes that you've made but but God has has created you in his image and that means you are loved by him now he calls you out of that sin because he loves you and he's given himself to bring you out of that 
but he loves you where you are. Our good shepherd loves us. For the lost people in here, those that have never uh, never trusted in Jesus, maybe religion's not been my thing, Jesus feels so distant. This is a guy 2,000 years ago, I'm not interested. One thing that I want you to take away, and if, if God uses this at some point, is that there is a God who, who deeply loves you and desires a relationship with you and desires to, to give you the soul satisfaction, to give him himself that you will never find elsewhere in the things that our world promises will be the things that will satisfy us. But not only does he say that in verses 14 and 15, our good shepherd shows that he knows us. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, he says again. I know my own. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, underline that because that's really important. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I and I lay my life for the sheep. Our good shepherd knows us. In the Gospel of John and in the Bible as a whole, the word know that's, that's here and elsewhere in Scripture is, a, is not just a superficial kind of, hey, I know what your favorite color is. You know, I know that you don't like anchovies on pizza. I know that your favorite movie is the Titanic. I'm just, I'm getting royalties, by the way. No, I'm kidding. But here's the, here's the thing. He, he knows so much more intimately about us than maybe we even realize and know about ourselves. He knows us. And how much does he know us? He compares it. He says, just as I know the Father and the Father knows me, how well does Jesus know the Father? He eternally knows the Father. He perfectly knows the Father. What he's saying is that, that I know you better than you know yourselves. Our good shepherd know, knows you. He desires an intimate relationship with you. You don't have to have pretense about anything. The shepherd knows his sheep personally. In, in the Eastern shepherds, what they would do is they would, as they entered the sheepfold, they would look at them individually. They would kind of take account for any injuries, any, any wounds, or anything like that. At any given time, I want you to know, beloved, that Jesus is aware and accounted for all of, all of your brokenness, all of the traits that he loves about you and created you with. He knows the things that you really struggle with. He knew Simon when Simon wasn't Peter and loved him. He knew Nathaniel when Nathaniel was just a rando on a seashore, you know? He called Zacchaeus by name even though he was up in a tree, a little tiny man. He spoke Mary's name in the garden. He knows us by name. Our life matters to him. You matter to God. One sheep may be afraid of high places. One sheep may be afraid of the valley. And he knows that about us. 
And that's the beautiful part of Psalm 23 that kind of connects with this. Is it says, the Lord is whom's shepherd? My shepherd. There's a reason David wrote it like that. There's a reason God prepared that in his heart. So that way David, yes, believes that God is his shepherd. But as you read that, you can pray and believe that the Lord is your shepherd too. I shall not want. In essence, to put it in modern terms, Jesus has our Carfax. He knows everything about us. He knows the dents. He knows the wrecks. He knows the mileage that we've got on us. And he loves us. And he says, that's worth buying. That's worth buying with myself. He knows our needs. While we are in the pastures, while we are down by the waters, even in the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus is with us. Our good shepherd knows us. And finally, as we look at verse 16, our good shepherd gathers us as a body. This is, I love this. This is so cool. Remember, this is speaking to the first century Israelites and Jews. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. How many of you would say that you are a sheep that was not a part of that fold at that point? Every single one of you should raise your hand. He's talking to first century Israel, to first century Jews. And so because of that, he's talking about us. And he's gathering us. There's some in here that may not be a part of his fold because you've not trusted in Jesus. You've not entered through him by trusting and having faith in him. But you can be. He's calling you to himself even today. Remember that our good shepherd is gathering a flock, one flock under one shepherd. Will we listen to his voice? Will we listen to his voice? Will we obey his commands? We're warned by the Holy Spirit that If we listen to different voices than our shepherds, that there will be consequences. Dr. H.A. Ironside told a story about walking by a a street preacher, and this is a a, a long, a good while ago. He was walking in Los Angeles with a, a young believer. And this young believer stopped to listen to this street preacher, but Dr. Ironside continued walking and, and didn't, he never hesitated, just kept walking by. After all, this young believer was curious and interested because the man had a Bible in his hand after all. He seemed like he had a certain measure of authority. So when the young man eventually caught back up with him, he asked him, what did you think of the preacher? And he said, my heart kept telling me, the Holy Spirit kept telling me, liar, 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 why? because he knew the voice of the true shepherd. And he was listening to that voice rather than the person with the pretense that was just trying to to gain some manner of self-righteousness by being in front of people, people and preaching. Our good shepherd knows us, he loves us, he cares for us, he's leading us into true life. Beloved, will you trust the good shepherd because of who he is and what he's done. Let's pray. 
Jesus, you know that there are great dangers even today, that there is a, a, a calling of materialism, that we will be satisfied in things, that there is a, a calling towards sexual perversion, that we will be satisfied if we give into whatever our impulses are. God, there's, there's dangers in, uh, all around us. There's false teachers, there's false voices, people that don't care anything truly about us, but that want to get rich and fat and happy off of us. Jesus, I pray that you will help us listen to your voice. Give us wisdom to know who are true under-shepherds of you. Jesus, I pray for strength because I know I am accountable to you. I need strength and your Holy Spirit, God, please continue to do a work in me that I, I may be a true under-shepherd under your good shepherd. Jesus, will you lead us? Will you guide us to green pastures in abundance? I pray the people in here that are heavy with great burdens, with hard circumstances and heavy hearts, Lord, would you lift them up? Would your knowledge of your great love and care for them and knowledge of where they are, would that foster uh, an ability to be honest and vulnerable with, with you and with other people of our flock? Lord Jesus, for the person in here that who has never trusted in you, has not entered into your sheepfold, I pray, God, that they would see and be compelled by the shepherd that gives his life for us, that they would see the necessity in their own sin and brokenness and their need for repentance and faith in you, that you, Jesus, have died and taken your life up again. You have been raised again that we may have life with you so that we're not walking with other sheep off of a cliff, but, but we are walking into eternity with you, hand in hand, and that you don't leave us alone, but you promise a helper, a counselor. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, please come into this room, into our hearts, and take residence and, and lead us. May we listen. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The Lord's speaking to you in some way and you need prayer. I'll be in the back, and, and I ask that, that you come back there even after service. We love you, church.